0: You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church, Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Blessing in the struggle is what I've entitled, what I want to share with you this morning. And I just, I'm going to ask, can you quickly uh, on the slide, rather than the slide, can you take the slide off? Can you put that last song up? Okay, And can you put the words where it's the, I am who you say I am, Um, not against me, yeah. I want us to remind us of this, what we've just sung, because whilst God can come in a very gentle way, and that's what was brought this morning, sometimes he isn't always as gentle as we'd like him to be. And so as I share this with you, what God put on my heart, this morning, I want you to remember what you sang. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. You are for me, not against me. If we're not careful, We can see what I'm gonna share as God coming against you. And I want you to remember, he is for you. Amen? Okay, can we go back to the slide, thank you. So a couple of weeks ago, Tim shared about Joseph and the favor of God upon his life. that despite his difficult circumstances, Joseph saw the favor of God because God was with him in a powerful way. Now I want to look this morning at Jacob's father. Now God gave me this a number of weeks ago before Tim even shared about Joseph. And um, he showed me a particular story in 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 uh, Jacob's life, how God moved in his life In the midst of his fears, in the midst of his struggles, God moved. But perhaps not in a way that he was expecting. How many of you know what WWF stands for? World World Wrestling Federation <laughs> the other one World Wrestling Federation now I nearly came this morning in the um, you know you can get the um, the Mexican ones where they got the full leotard and the mask and the I thought about I not I'll scare you the living daylights out of you world right <laughs> World Wrestling Federation this morning I'm going to talk about the weirdest wrestling match in history No, yes, the weirdest wrestling match in history. Now, it wasn't a wrestling match of the mind. It wasn't wrestling in conscience. It wasn't wrestling with fear. It was wrestling with a real person. But it was wrestling with God. This is one of the times where you see in the Bible, God comes down in person. Now, some even say it was Jesus. So some say it's an angel. Some say it was Jesus that Jacob wrestled with. Some say it was God. But, you know, uh, you know it, he wrestled with a man. It was a real wrestling match. And so you could say, actually, WWF stands for this, for the next slide up. Wrestling with the father. you like that? That was good. Huh? Yeah, thanks. All right, Don't be impressed then. Fine. This is a really strange story. And as with many of the stories in the Bible, they are there for a reason. Every single story is there for us to learn about ourselves and about God and about the relationship between us and him. So we can all learn something this morning. God wants to, I believe, talk through this particular story to every single one of us. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he, we are here for a reason and he wants to talk to us for a reason. But I need to bring a bit of context very quickly. So Jacob was the father of Joseph, as we've said. But he was also the the grandson of Abraham. Now Abraham was the man who God gave the blessing to, to say, be blessed among the nations. You will be the one, in a sense, that will bless the world through your family. And so Jacob was part of that. He inherited that blessing, as it were. The thing about Jacob was that he pretty much got most things out of trickery and deceit. He was a deceptive man. He was a proud man, an arrogant man. And he got his own way by doing his own thing. That was how he succeeded. That was how he believed he could grow and he could, he could become the person that he wanted to be. He tricked his brother Esau out of his inheritance, out of his blessing. He tricked his uncle out of giving him all his best goats and his best sheep when he worked for him. He was a trickster, a deceiver. He was dishonest, proud, and strong-willed. So let's see what God did with this man. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Genesis 32. It'll come up on the screen. So I'm just going to read through. Again, it's quite a lot of scripture. But it's really important that we understand that the scripture is for our, you know, as we said this earlier, you know, it's for us. For us to lay hold of Father, let's just pray. Father, I just want to thank you that as we read this scripture, this scripture is living, your living, breathing word. And I pray, Lord, right now, that you talk to us before I even say a thing, that your word says it all. Pray that in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm gonna go through quite quickly because we're running out of time already. So, Jacob went on his way. So he's been he's been with his uncle. And he's on his way back to, his, to Canaan with all his family, all his sheep, all his cattle, all his stuff that he's got. He's on his way back after 20 years away from home. Okay, so this is the position he's in. All right, so Jacob went his way. Angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, oh, God's camp. And he named the place Mahanaim, campground. Then Jacob sent messengers on ahead to his brother Esau in the land of Seir in Edom. He instructed them, tell my master Esau this, a message from your servant Jacob. I've been staying with Laban and couldn't get away until now. I've acquired cattle and donkeys and sheep, also men and women servants. I'm telling you all this, my master, hoping for your approval. The messengers came back to Jacob and said, we talked to your brother Esau and he's on his way to meet you. But he has 400 men with him. Jacob was scared, very scared, panicked. He divided his people, sheep, cattle and camels into two camps. He thought, if Esau comes on the first camp and attacks it, the other camp has a chance to get away. And then Jacob prayed, God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, God who told me, go back to your parents' homeland and I'll treat you well. I don't deserve all the love and loyalty you've shown me. When I left here and crossed the Jordan, I only had the clothes on my back. And now look at me, two camps. Save me, please, from the violence of my brother, my angry brother. I'm afraid he'll come back and attack us all, me, the mothers and the children. You yourself said, I will treat you well. I'll make your descendants like the sands of the sea, far too many to count. He slept the night there. Then he prepared a present for his brother Esau from his possessions: 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 camels with their nursing young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put a servant in charge of each herd and said, "Go ahead of me and keep a healthy space between each herd." Then he instructed the first one out. When my brother Esau comes and close and asks, "Who is your master?" Where are you going? Who owns these? Answer him like this. Your servant Jacob, they are a gift to my master Esau. He's on his way. He gave the same instructions to the second servant to the third. to so each in turn, as they set out with their herds, say your servant Jacob's on his way behind us. He thought, I will soften him up with the succession of gifts. Then when he sees me face to face, maybe he'll be glad to welcome me. So his gifts went before him while he settled down for the night in the camp. But during the night, he got up and took his wives, his two maidservants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He got them safely across the brook all along with his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind by himself and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. The man said, what's your name? He answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel, God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. Jacob asked, and what's your name? The man said, why do you want to know my name? And then right then and there, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face, and I lived to tell the story. The sun came up as he left Peniel, limping because of his hip. That is why Israelites to this day don't eat hip muscle, because Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint. You know, we've all wrestled with things in our lives, haven't we? Yeah? Conscience. Decisions we've had to make with our faith our circumstances, with our fears. Have you ever wrestled with God? See, maybe you have, but didn't know it was him. Jacob didn't know he was wrestling God until the very end. And maybe some of us have wrestled with God, but not known it was him. So why would God want to wrestle us? You see, God, in this story, is the one that initiates the wrestling match. Not Jacob. Jacob wasn't looking for a fight. You know, he wanted an easy life. And sometimes we can be the same. Oh, God, just just deal with it. I don't, can we just sort it out? Yeah, yeah, just, thank you. But you know, sometimes that's not the way God works. And sometimes he confronts us where we're at. Remember that hymn, remember that song we sang? He is for us, not against us. You see, when God confronts us, He does it for our good, not for our bad. Just always remember that. He's never doing it for our, to harm us, but to do us good. So here's a few things that God just showed me from that story, which I want to share with you. And I feel at the end, there'll be a time for us to respond because that's what God wants us to do. If he confronts us, there's a reason for it. Okay, so here's the first. God confronts us in our self-reliance. You see, up to the point where Jacob was wrestling with God, he got his own way in his life through his own effort. Through his own deceit and through his own trickery. You see, Jacob's first reaction to when he heard about Esau coming with 400 men was to do his own thing. He divided up his cattle and all his goods, sending them in different directions in the hope that if one got caught or captured, he would save some of his possessions. His first reaction was to do his own thing. How often do we do that when we face something that we fear? How often do we do that when we face circumstances we're struggling with? I deal with it my way. I'm like that. I can remember a time way back when we first became Christians, and um, had a and many of you know my story, but I had a, a really good job. I was doing well, and uh, then we became. Leslie and I became Christians together, and you sort of think, "Oh, life's so good, this is great." And then one day, I decided I wanted to change what I was doing within the company, and so I went to my boss, and at the time I was working in insurance, and I was working um where you got a lot of commission, yeah. So a lot of my pay was commissioned, and I got a car, and I had a company car. And life was good, early 20s, doing well. But I wanted something different. I, it wasn't about, I became a Christian, and I'd realized it wasn't about the money. So I went to my boss, and I said, look, I really feel that I can do something else in this company, it's a big company, and I'd love to be able to get on the training side. I think I'm really good at that. And um, what happened was, he said, "Right, well, give me your car keys. Okay, You're not going out of the office anymore. You're going to stay and work inside. You're not going to get any commission. You're only going to work on your salary. My salary is about a third of what I normally get. He said, that's it. Your, Your career in this part of it is over. You're just going to work in admin. So literally within a few months of becoming a Christian and having it all, thinking I was doing really well, it felt like God had taken it all away. My circumstances completely changed. But God was teaching me a lesson. You see, God confronted me in my self-reliance. He said, just just think about who it is who's actually put you here. And then I got quite concerned. Oh, crikey, what am I gonna do? And Leslie said to me, she said, trust in God. See, my first thing was to try and do it in my own strength. As we often do. But God wanted me to trust in him. And he wants to do the same with Jacob. See, he wants to be our plan A, not our plan B. So then Jacob, at this point, you're thinking, okay, well, he's done his own thing. But then Jacob thinks, oh, hold on. I've got a God who can help me here now. It's like it's a second thought. But then he prays a really good prayer. I haven't got time to go back through it. But he prays a a prayer of faith, of promises. He he, he reminds God of the promises he's given him. He reminds him what a faithful God he is and what God wants to do with him and his descendants. You think, this is great. Well done, Jacob. But then what does he do? He carries on doing his own thing. He carries on doing his own thing, giving gifts of appeasement. There's a guy called George Muller, who was one of the founders of the Brethren Church. And he was asked about prayers, a real real strong prayer. And somebody said to him and asked him, um, what was the most important part of prayer? And George Muller said, the 15 minutes after I have said, amen. You see, no matter how great your prayer can be, no matter how full of faith it can be, It's only what you do after it that really determines whether you prayed it in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah? I will put my trust in you alone. Again, we sang that this morning. I will put my trust in you alone. And actually, God showed me a picture. And he showed me a picture. He said, yes, I'm your rock, but have you got both feet on it? Because sometimes we can have one foot on the rock of Jesus and one foot on the earth. Just in case, self-reliance, sometimes I'm doing this, sometimes I'll be on the rock, where are we gonna be? Where do we place our trust? So self-reliance, I believe God was dealing with Jacob's self-reliance. And maybe this morning, that's that's you and I know it's me, I am very self-reliant. Maybe God wants to deal with that this morning. Second point, God confronts us in our pride. Now, at the start of the year, we looked at a very um, credible verse about revival, 2 Chronicles 7. And it says, then if my people will humble themselves and pray and search for me and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal Their land. You see, Jacob prayed a great prayer. But was he really humble when he prayed it? You see, we're told to humble ourselves first and then pray. Why? Because we need to come to God with an attitude of utter humility. If we come with pride and arrogance thinking, well, God, I'll pray this prayer, but actually in my heart, I know I can deal with this. Then we're not coming to God with humility. If we want God to heal our land, if we want God to bring revival to this place and to our own personal lives, we have to come and pray with utter humility, where we recognize, God, you are God! Only you alone can save. Only you alone can change my circumstances the way they need to be changed. I come before you and I say, Lord, everything, I lay it at your feet. Jacob didn't. I'll do my own thing, but I'll pray just in case. If we're not careful, we can come without realizing and pray in pride. Proverbs 18 says, pride ends in destruction, humility ends in honour. God honours the humble and lifts them himself. It's not for us to lift ourselves. We are not the best solution, God is. Now, one of the things that's really important in this story, I think is really important, is the fact that when God did this, you see God confronted Jacob at night, when it was dark and when he was alone. Why? Because God doesn't want to humiliate us. He wants to humble us. There's a difference. See, humiliation is done in front of people. Humility, humbling is done in front of God. God humbles us in front of him. He doesn't come to humiliate. That's why he did it with Jacob when there was no one else around. No one else could see the fight, the struggle, the resting that was going on between him and God, because it's something that was personal. It's not about exposing ourselves, but it's about God, in a sense, exposing us to ourselves. You know what I mean? You see, through this process, God says, this is who I am. This is who you are. And so we come to the wrestling match itself. And that's the next thing, the third one. God confronts us in our arrogance. Now, just imagine this fight. Actually, one of the reasons why this came up to me, this came, this got, I believe God put this in my heart. Because a few weeks ago, Jason was sharing, and we were looking at Chronicles, and he was sharing about, um, um, intimacy. Anyone remember that one? And how, you know, really to be intimate, you have to be face to face. I'm not going to go any further than that. But do you know wrestling is almost as intimate? Because wrestling is pretty much face to face. Yeah? And it's an intimate thing to wrestle. You know, it's not a boxing match where it's from a distance, you come in and get out again. Come in and get out again. I can't box, by the way. Um, But it's a wrestling match where you're holding on, you're grappling, you know, arms and legs everywhere. It's very, very, very personal. But I'm thinking about Jacob, thinking, there we go, you've got this guy, now, Jacob is, I think, an arrogant guy because he thinks, I've got him. Yes, I've got him. And I'm not going to let him go because I'm going to beat him. This fight goes on for a long time, all the way through the night. And if you read this, you can, and in the past, I've read it and thought, oh, hold on here. It looks like God's losing this. It looks like God's actually struggling to overcome this, Jacob. But actually, that's not the case at all. Now, any of you who are parents, when you've had little kids, must remember what it's like to play fight. Where well, you're there, and you know, and your little kids are jumping all over you. And, I've got you! I've got you! And you're wrestling away, and you're going, "Oh, you've got me! Oh, yes! Oh, I don't with my three boys So they got too big and they actually did get me." <laughs> but can you, you know, you can remember that sort of time when you? Oh, and but you know, as the dad. At any point, you can go, all right, that's enough now. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You know, and, and the poor, the poor kids thinking, I've got you, I've got you. They really believe they can do it. But in reality, they haven't got a hope. It is very one-sided. And I think that's just the way Jacob, Jacob felt. I've got him, I've got him. Oh, no, I haven't. And it's like God is saying, you know, keep going, keep going. You know, and if you've seen this you know, picture where the boy's doing that, you know, and, and, you know, and you've got this sort of thing going on, and I can be here all night, I can do this all day, I can do it as long as you can, and longer. And at some point, Jacob then God says to Jacob, "You know, I think you better stop now. Yeah, because if you don't stop, you're going to hurt yourself. Have you done that one to the kid? You're going to, I think that's enough now. You're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get hurt. God was saying, not that he would get hurt, but if Jacob carried on, it's gonna start getting serious. But it was the arrogance of Jacob who felt he could carry on, that he would get his own way. God dealt with that arrogance. You see, I believe once he got to this point where he realized there was absolutely nothing he could do, he came to the end of himself. He no longer had the energy to carry on. He no longer had the energy to fight. It's just like a... I've got no strength left. And I believe it's at this point that Jacob realizes who he's fighting. And sometimes we have to get to that point where we realise it's is you, God. And so we come to the next point. God confronts us in our weakness. You see, I believe at this point Jacob realises he's utterly weak and he will never win. And that he is totally and utterly dependent on this man who he now recognised was God. And so he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Now we've all had that one. And we go, yeah, I want that one. Yes, come on, Lord. But actually, do you know what? It was a hard place to get to. It's a hard place to get to. Because he had to be utterly weak. You see, Jacob wasn't dictating terms to God. You bless me, or I won't let you, you know, I'll stay on it, and I've got you. He knew he was holding on with his fingertips. He was holding on with nothing left to fight with. He was holding on for dear life. At this point, he had nothing left of himself. He, recogn- he recognized he was completely weak. And maybe that's how you are this morning, feeling utterly weak. I can't fight anymore. There's nothing more I can do. See, the problem is sometimes we think the enemy is outside. Sometimes we think it's it's the enemy that's made us weak. It's the enemy's too strong and therefore I'm weak. Actually, sometimes it's nothing to do with the enemy see it wasn't Esau in the first place it nothing to do with Esau Jacob was made weak because of his arrogance his self-reliance his, his wanting to do things his own way That's what it, that was his weakness it was in him it wasn't, it wasn't Esau being stronger it was just Jacob and the way he lived his life was weak and God wanted him to see that. See, in Ephesians 6, it says, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Well, to have the mighty power within us, we have to have, in a sense, we have to be so weak. There is, there is no power of us in there. Does that make sense? That's where the strength comes from. If it comes from our own self-reliance, our own arrogance, our own pride, our own thinking, we can do things our own way, then that's our strength, not God's strength. The Psalmist says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. (laughs) Next one, God confronts us in our past. See, what came next was God's affirmation of who Jacob really was. He asks Jacob, what's your name? You see, back then, names meant something. Jacob meant deceiver, trickster. It was who he was. And in a way, what God was saying was, so who do you think you are? Oh, Jacob, done things in your own way. Trick my way through, try to get my things the way i had done it through deceit. And then God says this. He says, no, you're not Jacob. You're Israel. Israel was all about the promise. Jacob was all about the past. And in the confrontation, in the weakness, in that moment, God said, but I know who you are. You now need to know who you are. This is who you really are. You've come to a place of weakness and dependence on me. Now I'm going to show you who you really are. You're not weak. You're strong in me. You are Israel. I've got promises for your life. And this morning you could be sat here thinking, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's gone on in my life. You don't know how I've lived. I can't be the person God wants me to be. Well, no, you are the person God wants you to be. You just need to hear it. You see, God could do that because he didn't humiliate Jacob, he humbled him. God blessed him, gave him a new name, gave him a new identity. He was a new creation filled with God's blessing for a divine purpose to establish the Israelite nation. Today, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of your circumstances, God can confront your past and reveal your future. Final one. God confronts us in our fears. You see, after this wrestling match, Jacob was actually weaker than he was before. He had a limp. He didn't make him strong enough to overcome Esau. He actually made him weaker. He was now more vulnerable than ever. If, any, if Esau wanted to do anything when he went to him, he couldn't run away. He had a limp. And sometimes God gives us, in a sense, a limp. Just say, just, just remember, remember. You know, it's my strength, not yours. Just remember this. And yet, when he went to Esau, all those fears evaporated because Esau had been dealt with. His fear, what, what he feared, was no more. In the struggle, God dealt with the thing he feared most. Jacob didn't have to do a thing. Philippians says, I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. You see, when God makes us wrestle and wrestle with him, it's because he wants to bless us. God is for us, not against us. It may feel that way at times. And at times I thought, God, what are you doing? What's this all about? I can remember (sighs) 11 years ago now when I had a heart attack. I had that question, God, what are you doing? (laughs) What's this all about? In the midst of my fears, in the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of my ill health, in the midst of all that was going on, I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? And maybe what God was doing for me was bringing me to a place where I had nothing left. I was physically weak. I thought, you know, I can't do this. God, it needs to be you. But what I do know, God, is I may not understand why you've done it. I may not understand why I'm going through this. But what I do understand is that you're with me in it. God is with us in the struggle. And it may be that he needs to wrestle with you in order to get you to a place where he can change you. Because he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He didn't want to leave Jacob the way he was. So he was prepared to confront Jacob in order to change him. And so while this may be, oh, this is not a nice message of God confronting, it's for because he loves you. Because he loves me. He doesn't want to leave us where we are as a church. Because if we want to see a revival, we want to see God heal our land, if we want to see things change in our location, with our family, with our friends, with our schoolmates, our college mates, the people at work, then we need to, in a sense, just come before him in utter weakness and humility and say, God, Heal our land. Bring revival. Do it in me. Do it in me. In my arrogance, in my pride, in my self-reliance. Do it in me. Change me where I need to be changed. And sometimes we can just do that and God will do it. Other times we may not do that and God will come and do it anyway. So it's... I believe God has given this message to me, for us, for a reason. Because he doesn't want to leave us where we are. Because he has a purpose and a plan for every single one of you and me. He has a purpose and a plan for this church. He has a purpose and a plan for us to see revival. If he's promised it, it will happen. But it won't happen in our strength. It won't happen because of how good we are. It won't happen because of our plans and ideas. It'll happen because God is our strength. Amen? Amen. 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 And I think we just need to come before him right now. And just whether it's a question of saying, God, I just want to come again and humble myself before you. Then that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to acknowledge our own self-reliance. Can I ask the musicians to come back up, please? That would be great. I appreciate time is is running on and I appreciate you've got some children to pick up, but if you can stay for a few minutes, then I think, you know, God really wants to do something in our hearts, but it's a personal thing. God isn't doing this to expose you, to humiliate you. God wants to do this to change you, to take you from one place to another. So I just I just have a I just want to say if you're doing things out of fear, actually, can we just can we just stand? Can we can we just, Are you okay to stand with me? If you really feel God, I just want to I want to respond to you this morning. I want to I want to respond. I, I don't want to be the same person that walked into this room. I want to be a person that's changed this morning. I want to come and submit my life afresh to you this morning. If you come and you've been doing things out of fear, then it's time to submit those fears to Jesus right now. Just to come to him and say, Lord, I submit the things that are, I'm, that are confronting me that I'm afraid of right now, that I'm wrestling with. If you know, like me, and I'm, 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 I wanna be there with you because I'm, I'm so self-reliant. God's given me amazing gifts and abilities but actually, I need to recognise it's his, not mine. And if you're quite self-reliant, think, God, yeah, I, you know, I've done things in my own way. Maybe you've got to submit your plans and ambitions to him again. If you think your past is stopping you from moving into your future, God wants to deal with that right now. And a particular one for parents with children. God just put this on my heart. Don't be afraid, if you've got a child, if you've got children, don't be afraid to show your weakness to your children. Jacob, I believe, I, don't, I can't say this for certain, but it's no coincidence that a few weeks before, Tim shared about Joseph and how he dealt with his circumstances. Well, Joseph was Jacob's son. Did Jacob tell Joseph About his experience? Did Jacob explain why he now limped? Did uh, did Jacob tell Joseph how God moved in his life through that wrestling match? And maybe by doing that Joseph was able to handle and deal with the stuff that came his way. So parents, don't be afraid to reveal your weakness to your children. Finally, if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't know this God who we've been sharing about, talking about and worshipping, and you've been struggling and wrestling with your own idea of faith, your own ideas of what, who God is, whether or not you should even be here, you are here because God brought you here. And God wants to take you out of the past and everything you've done and into an amazing future with Him. And if that's you, I'd love to pray with you afterwards. Please come and see me. I want to pray with you.